Welcome to Becoming Your Best Version. I'm your host and the producer, Maria Leonard Olson. And I get to interview inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine and who have made a difference in some way in my life. And one of those people is Lori Fitzpagato. Cultural and commercial diplomacy are the hallmarks of her career. She has been a civil servant at the Voice of America and the US Information Agency, a foreign service officer in the Dominican Republic and Mexico. She was appointed by President Clinton, confirmed by the Senate to serve as Assistant Secretary and Director General of the US and Foreign Commercial Service at the Department of Commerce, led by the late Secretary Ronald H. Brown. In the private sector, she advised countries, corporations, individuals, and nonprofits as a senior executive at Hill and Knowlton and Gray and Company, and as a partner at the Livingston Group. Lori also was an executive at Iridium, a global mobile satellite communications company. With the history of ballet training and performing at the Capitol Ballet, Vassar Dance Theater, and Ballet Santo Domingo, she now has returned to her passions by teaching ballet and mentoring. She applies her communications and public relations skills to promoting artists and her business and leadership experience to advising dance institutions, sharing her commitment to social change, empowerment, and inclusion. Lori received her bachelor's degree from Vassar College, her master's from Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies, and she speaks Spanish and Portuguese. She is grateful for the rich contributions her community of family and friends has made to her life story. For more information, visit her website in the dash dot live. Welcome, Lori. Thank you so much, Marie. It's a pleasure to be here today. So Lori has this incredible memoir that has come out this fall called Dancing in the Dash, My Story of Empowerment, Diplomacy, and Resilience. And I read the book. I didn't know Lori at the time when I read her book. And certain things about it, well, uplifted me. And a certain part of it made me cry. Uh, she has lived all over the world. She's had this incredibly varied and strong career, and uh, yet she can write with, um, with a tenderness about the people she cares about. And one of those people was Secretary Ron Brown, who uh, was the head of the Department of Commerce and died in a tragic airplane accident. Lori, as part of her official duties, was asked to accompany the caskets of all her colleagues and friends killed in this terrible accident, including Secretary Brown, back to the United States in the hull of an airplane with all of these caskets and hours of travel. The way you wrote about it just really tugged at my heartstrings and I can't imagine that experience. How did you get through it? Well, I think it was a time of reflection for me, flying 13 hours in the, uh, in the hull of a C-130 aircraft that has to be kept cold. Mm -hmm. So being there, being very cold, sitting on a jump seat, seat 
And looking at those, that sea of caskets, and they were all draped with American flags, I actually made a new friend. Hmm. And a person who was flying with me was the Croatian ambassador to the United States, who had been waiting for the plane to land in Dubrovnik when it crashed in St. John Mountain. And he didn't know Secretary Brown very well. <clears throat> he had helped to plan the trip, but he didn't really know him. And when we discovered each other, because everyone was kind of sitting in silence, there were very few people on the plane, we turned to each other, introduced each other, and we talked for hours wow. about Secretary Brown. It was really a very cathartic experience for me to be able to share with him information about my friend and mentor and such an important political figure and leader in the United States. Uh, so that helped a lot. I think it allowed me to reflect on who Ron was, who the people who were in those caskets are, were to me, friends, colleagues, and the corporate executives who died. Mm -hmm. And what they died for, they were trying to rebuild a country that had been just crushed the infrastructure and everything by the war. Um, and knowing that the mission was one that was worthy, even though their lives were lost, I think helped me to embrace even more my role and what I should be doing to make a difference in my life. So it just, it was a pivotal time for me. And what a beautiful way of trans, transmuting a, a terribly sad situation into something of hope. And I know that about you, that you have weathered a lot of storms and yet you come out with um, this inspira inspiring outlook that all of these, in, these experiences were not for nothing, they were for something. And that now you're going around and speaking about your book and inspiring people. And I was lucky enough to go to a book talk you gave at the Washington Ballet and to watch some of the students, especially students of color, listen to you and what you went through and how you handled it with grace and professionalism. I mean, that, that just really must feel gratifying that uh, everything you went through was for a reason. I believe that things happen for a reason and they happen in their time. Mm -hmm. They can't be rushed. Um, I've learned patience as I've grown older. I wasn't always the most patient person. <laughs> I think patience is really important. And I also think faith, um, believing that uh, there is a, a higher power, uh, whether you are a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist, whatever it is, but to have faith in something bigger than yourself is something that helps one through all kinds of trials and tribulations. And then I will say that dance and my training in ballet as a very young young girl and throughout my life and performance, that dance and the arts, I think, instill in you a, a sense of focus, discipline, perseverance. In the case of ballet, tolerance for pain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's emotional and physical pain. And to have that 
be part of you and ingrained in you early allows you to be resilient. And I believe that my resilience through trauma and challenges has helped me to embrace the hope and the lessons and the ability to move forward. Oh, undoubtedly that is the case. And another thing I really enjoyed about your book, while I do not have any dance training, your whole book uses dance metaphors throughout to illustrate uh, how you used your dance training in um, your professional life and also how much of life can be compared to, to dance, <laughs> um, to the stages, the tension, the, um, the parts of a formal ballet performance, the very difficult dance moves that are performed and learned. And, uh, and it was fascinating to me as someone who does not know a lot about dance to, to learn these dance terms. What made you, how did you come up with that really clever device as a way to tell your story? The telling of my story was quite an evolutionary process. Mm. And I originally simply wanted to record the history of my family, ancestry, um, things that I had experienced just for the record, so to speak, for the record for my family, for my grandchildren, perhaps for some close friends. But as I continued to think about it, and I was encouraged by a very good friend uh, who actually wrote the foreword to the book, Karen Cox, we had gone to school together. And she's quite a, an excellent writer, even though she's so humble, she never has published anything. Um, she felt that my story, knowing me for the last 30 years, she felt that my story was something that could help people, that could inspire people that was rather unique for an African-American woman of my age. Mm -hmm. And as she continued to badger me, so to speak, <laughs> um, and I had written some, I thought, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I don't wanna just write another memoir. Not to in any way disparage people's memoirs. I think they're wonderful and they're stories that should be told, but I didn't want it to be a usual mem memoir that's chronological, that's very um, uh, sequential. I wanted it to have some creative creativity because I feel that I use both sides of the brain and my life has been one of academia and going to school and getting degrees and studying and intellectual pursuit and policy. But I also have that creative side that's always been there. So I thought of writing a creative memoir, and that's what I call it, a creative memoir, because it integrates dance and it compares, there's so many synergies, as you've said, between dance and life, and life is a dance. Mm. And whether we're talking literally or metaphorically, uh, we all have to perform. We have to dance through life. We have to keep going, keep moving. Movement is part of life. Um, persevering is part of life. Creativity, art. And it needs to be more integrated into everything, into policy, into international affairs to look at the creative dimension and look at how creatives of all types are really quite 
interesting in terms of their analysis, their ability to look at things, and they are universal in what they do. And I think that's underrated. So I wanted to be sure that my book expressed some of that and perhaps made people think about the synergies, uh, the relationships between art and life. Well, you did for this reader. I think it is an excellent book. I would I would recommend to all of you to read In the Dash and to gift it, especially to young people who are starting their careers because it contains a lot of wisdom. What do you tell young women who are considering a career in uh, diplomacy, which is, is, is tough, it's a tough road to go. So what, what kind of advice would you give to um, let's say a niece who said, oh, I really want to do this. I want to go work abroad. I mean, you tell some pretty harrowing stories in your memoir. Uh, what, what kind of advice would you give? I want people to think very seriously about what's important to them and what they want to communicate, achieve, what they want to leave as a legacy, uh, what they want to contribute to the world. Uh, and if they believe that international affairs, becoming a diplomat, traveling around the world, moving every two or three years, living in sometimes very dangerous uh, situations, and having to make a life uh, wherever you are, being adaptable, uh, being open-minded, being culturally competent, mm -hmm. where there's respect and understanding of other people and other cultures. If they're willing to do all that, then I say, go for it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a person who I hope I'm sensitive and I hope I'm caring, but I also believe in tough love. And if you ask me for your advice, for my advice, I give it to you. Unadulterated truth, my truth what I think is going to help. So I have some tough conversations with young people who, who idealize diplomacy mm. and the foreign service. And I, I try to be very realistic and particularly now, even things were easier for me 25, 30 years ago than they are for people now post 9-11. Mm. When um, the restrictions on movement um, the fear of terrorism, uh, how secluded life can be uh, in foreign uh, environments. We had a lot more openness and ability to move around and to do all kinds of things when I was in the foreign service. So it's a new world and it's a tough decision, but service to one's country in the area of international affairs, where we have to function in the world, on the planet, provide leadership and develop policies that are fair, equitable to other peoples in the world. I think that's a wonderful gift if one is willing to make that type of sacrifice. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, it's always good to have someone who's going to give you straight up advice and everyone needs somebody like that in their life. Uh, I also, very much believe that you were a trailblazer and it's outlined in your book, some of the places where you were the only woman and some of the places where you were the only woman of color. And uh, 
you handled these things with grace. Do you have any, um, you also admit that you had to hold your tongue sometimes. Do you have any advice to younger people of color in particular in navigating what is still sometimes a very white tableau that has to be navigated? I have had conversations and have listened to many young people who would never have done what I've done and who are critical mm. of the fact that I have compromised. Um, they may see it as being complicit. I don't see it that way. But I think that younger generations are less tolerant and less interested in picking their battles. I, when I say I pick my battles, they say, well, how can you compromise your, your own beliefs, et cetera, and take some of this discrimination and racism? Um, and my view is that one must always look at the end goal. Yes. And if you are committed and understand what you want the outcome to be or what the goal is, then you have to map a, a plan and follow a strategy and implement tactics that are going to allow you to get there. And that means understanding the other person's perspective, whether you agree with it or not, understanding where they come from, and then deciding how you can reach them, how you can talk to them. Um, I think the best rule that I've ever heard is know your audience. And that is in performing on stage, that's performing in meetings, that's in interpersonal relationships. Know your audience. And so true. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And this is a question that I ask all my guests. What do you do to become your best version? I try to be introspective, to be caring, to consider other people's views, to remain open, to keep my priorities in balance, family, friends, professional pursuits, passions, to keep everything in balance. And that's hard, but that is what I try to do and I continue to do as I age uh, to keep those things in perspective. And that's how I think I can be my best self. It's not through pushing too hard, doing too many things, taking on too much, striving. I think I've done a lot of that. So now it's time to determine how I give back. Beautiful. And giving back you are. I, take a look at Lori's website. I mean, she is helping not just dance institutions in the US, but also in Canada and abroad. And this is a woman with a lot of wisdom and we, our community is so much better for her having quote retired, but yet using all of her experience to help better our community and our dance institutions and just everyone who comes in contact with this extraordinary guest. So thank you so much for being on the show today and taking time off from your busy book tour, which you are in the midst of as we speak. Um, and everyone check out in the dash dot live and ask for her book. If it's not on the shelf at your local bookstore, you will not be disappointed. Thank you, Lori. 
Thank you so much, Maria. I enjoyed dancing in the dash. Ah, love it. (laughs) Thank you. Take care.